Thanks for listening to the Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Life Church, visit lifechurchww.com. We've been in a series called Connecting with God. So we've been going hard after God all month. Not that we don't go hard after God all year, but we've been really focused on on seeking God together, praying every Tuesday night so far this month, and just had an incredible time in prayer together as a church. And what I want to encourage those of you who got super inspired and you felt like, you know what, I got I, I to pray more for the church and more for what God is doing. I want to invite you in to be a day 22 person. I want to invite you in to be in something that, call, that we call our prayer army. And so our prayer army is something that we do meet the first Tuesday of every month. And we will be doing that again in February. So join us, the prayer army coming to pray and to worship and to seek God in prayer and worship. And then also we have another way to be a part of the prayer army. And that is, is we have prayer going on during every service in our church in another room. So when you feel God and you sense like the Lord spoke to you and you, you sense God doing some change in your life, it is because there is a group of people that felt the call of God to be a part of the dream team here in our church. And a part of that dream team, one of those areas to serve is the prayer army. And they're in another room praying for you. And they also, we also have Tuesday noon prayer as well. And so I just want to, I want to take you to this scripture before I get into God's word today, just to encourage those of you who might feel this call in your life. This is when they're rebuilding the wall and Nehemiah says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. So the enemy was trying to distract them from the work of God. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. From that day on, look at this, half my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. So the the point is this, you know, our church is gearing up for a lot of ministry. It's, it's, we're getting, we're always ministering, but after 21 days of prayer and fasting, where that's been our focus, we're really gearing up for a, for a lot of ministry in our church with, for youth and for marriages and all the things we do as a church. Well, while we're, many of us are on the dream team doing certain things, some of you are going to feel the call to be these people. Spears, shields, bows, and armor. What that means is you're creating a, a shield of prayer, a prayer hedge around the work of God, around all those who are doing other things. You're like, listen, the only reason you're good at that camera because I pray for you. Come on, somebody. Right? So as we, were, as we move forward to do the work of ministry, we, there's some of you who feel the call to continue to pray in spiritual warfare. So I want to encourage you to be, uh, we have our Discover Experience the first and second weekend of every month. So next weekend, we will be having our Discover Experience during our 11 o'clock service. And we do that, they're, they're, it's a two parts. Then you learn all about the church, learn about the dream team, how to become a part of it. And if you feel the call to be a part of the prayer army, then take our discovery. We'll show you how to be a part of the prayer army. All right, sound good? All right, today I get the privilege to close out our series in our Connecting with God series on this subject, Never Quit Praying. And I wanna look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, If you wouldn't mind, let's stand up together for the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. Jesus tells stories to prove a theological point. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always, say always. Always. They ought always to pray 
and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she'll not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's talk about this subject, never quit praying. Go ahead and tell a couple people around you before you see it, never quit praying, and then have a seat. Never quit, never quit, never quit. So Jesus uses a judge and a widow, two opposite extremes of power in the New Testament times. Judges had a lot of authority and widows had no rights whatsoever. So Jesus is trying to let us know of the contrast and the op of, of, of the percentage of, of uh, opportunity that this widow is going to get her prayers answered, her request answered. And he's letting us know that even though it seems like a very small amount of percentage that she's gonna get her prayers answered, he wants us to know that God is a just judge and if we will never quit praying, he'll never quit answering. Because she was persistent, her prayers were answered. Now all of us get persistent about certain things. There's certain things that you have been persistent about. Maybe you were persistent about pursuing somebody in a relationship, or you were persistent about getting that college degree, or you were, you were persistent about making it on that sports team. Like I'm five foot eight and a quarter, man, and I was gonna make it on the high school basketball team. And I can't tell you more about that story because I'm still in counseling about it, but <laughs> we all get persistent about certain things. And you might, you might have been persistent about running that marathon or, or, or making that team, whatever it might be. You were excited for a while, but after a while, it feels like you can start to lose heart. Maybe you've been in the marriage counseling for six months or a year and you feel like, is it making any difference? And you start to lose heart. Or maybe you've been saving and trying to pay off debt, and every time you save, something else breaks down and takes the stuff that you save. You never got out of debt at all, and you wonder, is it helping at all what I'm doing? And you begin to lose heart. What Jesus is telling us, if there's anything in life that you should never lose heart in, never lose heart in prayer. Never lose heart your entire life. But I think what he is telling us is this. It's natural to lose heart. He knows that we are losing heart. He knows that we start after God and we, we're, now it's day 22 and, it, and you just wonder, man, I, I didn't get my answer yet. And it's natural to lose heart. Jesus knows that about us, so he tells us a story. In fact, the disciples, Jesus' original disciples, Jesus asked them, can you pray for, with me? Can you pray with me just for one hour? He comes back and checks on them like, I don't know how much longer later, but not long. And they ain't praying. They're snoring. They're sleeping. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes back to prayer, comes back, checks on them again. They're out. This time he doesn't even bother asking them. He knows they've lost heart. 
They, they, they can't even pray with him in his greatest hour of need. If Jesus' disciples could lose heart, we're his disciples as well, and he knows that we could lose heart, but it's supernatural to pray anyways. It's supernatural to pray even when you begin to lose heart. It's supernatural. Here's why I say that, because he ended that story with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, something supernatural? Will he find faith on the earth when you've been praying for something for a long time and you haven't got your answer yet? Will he find faith? Now, some people teach that if you have faith, you only need to pray about something one time because to pray about it again means you don't have faith. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think that Jesus teaches us very clearly here to never stop praying. It might take a little time, but don't stop. And he's telling us that it is actual faith to persevere. It's faith to never quit praying. Can you say those three words with me? Never quit praying. Come on. Never quit praying. So I want to, this, this is another part of what he said. He said, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so she'll not beat me down by her continual coming. Like just continuing to come to the throne room of God. Not stopping praying for your son to come back to God. Not stopping to pray for your spouse to get saved. Not stopping to pray for whatever issue has been burdening, your, burdening on your heart. Maybe for months or years or decades, Jesus is telling you in this story, don't quit praying. Continual coming to means this. To continue to come is to stick to a purpose or aim. Never giving up what one set out to do, refusing to be discouraged by obstacles or difficulties and refusing to stop. I want to give you a couple of quotes today and then I'm going to go to the most important stuff I can share with you is scripture and how the Bible repeatedly tells us to stay in it, stay in prayer. But here's a quote for you. Wesley, importunity or persistence in continuing includes the concept of great boldness, of urgency, of pressing your request claim or demand to the very limits. And it includes determination to persist in that urgent boldness until it receives an answer. You think, oh, that sounds kind of bold. It does, doesn't it? It sure does. Ian Bounds, importunity not quitting is made up of the ability to hold on, to press on, to wait with unrelaxed grasp, restless desire, and restful Patience, I love that. Well, the Bible tells us over and over this concept. I just want to let the word of God to inspire you to not stop over whatever issue it is that you haven't seen your answer to yet. Whatever it is that you're, you're still believing God for, I want, I want to tell you, when the Son of Man comes, he's going to find faith in Walla Walla because there's going to be people praying still for issues. Come on now. Here it is. Check this out. Ephesians says it's praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all. What's the word? Perseverance. So you pray with perseverance. You persevere. Acts tells us these all continued with one accord in prayer. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Paul wrote to the Romans. He said rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I hope I'm not boring you by just reading the Bible to you today. I didn't come just to tell you sweet stories. I came to read the scripture to you because it's the word of God that changes our lives. 
continue steadfastly. Colossians says it this way, continue earnestly in prayer. The word of God is full of admonitions to never quit praying. Continue to pray until there is a change. Until there's a change. Hosea says it like that. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So pray until. J Jacob wrestled with God until he blessed him, until the breaking of day. The disciples were told, wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. Psalm 123 says it like this, our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he has mercy on us. I'm grateful that the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is this, long-suffering. I, I can't believe I just said I'm grateful for that. I can't. <laughs> but he gives you the ability to persevere. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to persevere in prayer. This week, my mother handed me a poem, uh, the Two Frogs poem. Some of you have probably read it or heard of it. I thought it was quite cute and needed to show up in this message today. Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croaked number one. Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world, and weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, Dog paddled in surprise, the while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so I've heard he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked, then hopped out via butter. <laughs> Come on, tell your neighbor, don't give up. Come on, tell him, don't give up. Don't give up. Maybe you've heard of a, a great godly man of history by the name of George Mueller, who was a praying man and had a heart for orphans. George Mueller never quit praying for a friend of his salvation. He prayed for 63 years and eight months. And one day, someone came to him and asked, asked hey, is your friend saved yet? And he said, no, he's not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I'm still praying. When George Mueller's casket was lowered, as it was being lowered into the ground, his friend gave his life to Jesus and got saved in that moment. I'm here to tell you, don't ever stop praying. Supernatural things happen when a people decide, I'm going to be like that widow and never quit praying. I want to give you some very practical things today. That was a little preachy right there. Not, not, not saying I won't preach a little again, but I want to be very practical with you. It's really important to me to not just preach. It's really important to me to teach and to give practical insights from God's word to help you to be able to do what we preach and to what we talk about. So I want to share these thoughts about three things about how to have a sustainable prayer life. So now I'm praying and I, you started some patterns of prayer. How do you sustain it? How do you not actually quit? How do I, because it's, it's natural to lose heart. 
it, but it's supernatural to pray anyways. So how do I get into that zone of supernatural? I'm gonna give you some very natural stuff that turns you into a supernatural person. You ready? Here it is, three ways to have a sustainable prayer life. Number one is this, find a place to pray, okay? Find a place to pray. If I wanted to get in shape and I wanted to go to the gym, but I never had a gym to go to, then going to the gym would just be a dream. I wouldn't have a place to go. So you gotta have a place to go when it comes to the area of prayer. Have a place. Now your prayer place is based on your personality, okay? But Jesus, he had a place. Look at this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now Jesus liked the garden and probably because it had a view of Jerusalem. And so he could see what he was praying for and the people that he had a heart of. For some of you, you need to find, well, all of us need to find an undistracted environment. So don't have your computer on, no phones. I know some of you are like, how in the world? Unless you have every notification turned off on your phone where a text won't show up, it won't ding, it won't... Right? You need to, I, don't, I don't know if that's possible. It probably is. You guys know how to do all that stuff. But it all needs to be turned off because right when God's about to speak to you, the devil will make sure the text comes through, the email, the something, but ding, 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 ding. Be like, listen, if the world's ending, find out after your prayer time. Right? You need your prayer time before you find out that the world's ending. Right? I don't need to find out before I prayed. I need to find out afterwards. So you gotta have a solitary, undistracted place of prayer that you go to on a consistent basis. And I have found that if you'll have a place that you visit, for some of you, that might even be your car, that that is, you go on a drive in the country. It might be your walking route, that you go on a route, a, a walk, and this, you, this is where you focus and you pray. Or it might be a chair. It might be a, it might be a, a place in your bedroom. It might be in the living room, might be an office at home, might be upstairs, basement, wherever it is, have a place or a few places. And here's what I've learned. If you will have a place, if you start missing prayer, you'll miss your place. You'll miss going on that drive. You'll miss going on that walk. You'll miss being in that place. So to have a sustainable prayer life, it is important that you find a place. Now, I'm all about, yes, pray throughout your day. I think that's important. But at least for me, I have found if I skip my place and if I don't have a place that I pray and I just fall into the mindset, just pray wherever you are, I'll get too busy to pray wherever I am. I'll get too distracted by the things around me. I might pray, up a, uh, pray out a 15-second prayer. I might throw something out like that, but not have a meaningful time with God in prayer. So having a place is significant. Now, if you've studied revivals in America, you've known or heard of a man by the name of Charles Finney. He was a, a part of one of the mightiest moves of God in this country in the 1800s. He was a key figure. He, was, he turned from lawyer to preacher. 
And he went on the evangelistic circuit for seven years and saw 500,000 people converted and become born-again Christians in America during those seven years. Now, people did studies later on and found out that 80% of those converts in his meetings had genuine, true, long-lasting life change. If Finney was asked, and he was, what do you attribute the success of your ministry to? He would always go back to a, a man who was a friend of his by the name of Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash was his prayer army. Daniel Nash took it upon himself to go to any city that Charles Finney was about to go into and minister. He would go three to four weeks in advance. He would find some like-minded prayer warriors and he would find a place. He would rent a room. He would find that place and they would go into a place of prayer for three to four weeks in advance of Charles Finney's meetings. And then when the meetings would begin, he rarely ever even came to the meeting because he would stay in a place of intercession for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring life change into people's lives. Daniel Nash, when he finally went home to be with Jesus, guess what Daniel Nash was doing? He was on his knees in prayer. Daniel Nash knew the importance of finding a place. Charles Finney attributed the success of his ministry to someone who knew how to find a place. So my question for you is, what place would be the most conducive for prayer to work for you? Find that place. Let it be a place of solitude where you can raise your voice without intimidation, where you can listen in silence without distraction. If you have that place, I'm here to tell you, it will help you to keep a sustainable prayer life. That's number one. Does that help? Good. And number two, when you get there, have a plan. Have a plan before you get to your place. Having a plan means I know what I'm going to do when I show up to my place. Back to the gym analogy. Now let's say I figured out I got my place to go exercise. But you show up to the gym and you don't have a plan when you get there. You're going to look around and look at all the people with plans. You're going to go, that's a cute plan. Man, they look really in shape. They must have a great plan. They just got here with me plan. Right? You're going to, you're going to, and you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to, you might stand around for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and then leave and hope that you got in shape because you were at the place. No, no, no. You have to have a plan when you show up to the place. That's why the last couple of weeks I gave you some plans. I talked about the prayer of blessing. It's a plan. Jabez's prayer. Oh, God, that she would bless me indeed. She would enlarge my territory, increase our influence. That your hand of power and presence would rest upon me and that you would keep me from evil, that your protection would rest. There are four different topics for you to pray. Last weekend, I talked about the Lord's Prayer, praying God's will, God's way. That's my favorite way to pray. Basically, because that's how I learned to pray. That's how God taught me to pray. I'm not saying that has, whatever your favorite way, you let that be your favorite way, but you have a plan. There are topics for me. So I have themes in my prayer closet. 
I have themes of praise and just thanksgiving. I have themes of, of, of praying for people to be saved and for his kingdom to come. I have themes for provision. I have themes for forgiveness and keeping my heart right. I have themes for spiritual warfare. And I got all these different themes. And here's what happens. How you keep a sustainable prayer life is you have something to pray about. Right? A lot of people have a hard time having a sustainable prayer life because they just don't know what to pray about. They don't know what to do when they get there. That's why it's so important to have plans. And yet sometimes even to break up your plan and switch to another plan just to just give some life to your prayer life. Now, I want to give you an app. If you're app people and you use your phone, I want to give you an app. It's called Pray First, okay? I encourage you to download it because it has, I think, six different prayer plans. Two of them are on there that I just that I taught you this month. There's, there's a tabernacle prayer plan. There's different prayer plans on there, and they'll guide you through the prayer plan. And they got, they got like also where you can do it self-guided and just instrumental music. It's, it's how to pray for lost people, how to pray, you know, scriptures for spiritual warfare. It's got all that on that app. I encourage anyone who likes to download apps and learn from that uh, resource, you d- download the Pray First app. Okay, have a place. Have a plan. I'm giving you three Ps, by the way. Just three Ps. Three Ps. Here we go. And then when you, when you get there and you got a plan and you're praying, release some passion. Okay? So you got a place. You got a plan. Now don't be boring. Okay? Don't, don't pray boring, repetitious prayers. Find some passion and release that passion in prayer. It would be better for you to pray passionately for five minutes than to pray religiously for an hour. Okay? So pray some powerful prayers and expect God to meet you at the place. Expect God to meet you in the plan. Expect God to meet you in your passion. And you will be changed in that place of prayer. When the early church prayed, it looked nothing like modern day prayer meetings. I mean, prisons were shaken and earthquakes happened and, and rushing wind swept into a room and tongues of fire came down and rested on everybody. It was like, dude, your hair's on fire. No, your hair's on fire. It's like, whoa, it's not burning up. These are prayer meetings in the New Testament. Amazing. Peter and John were on their way to a prayer meeting in the book of Acts and they see a guy who needs healing and the spirit of God comes on him and they, they pray for him and just declare and he's healed. He jumps up and he goes into church with them in the prayer meeting. And, but the people of the day didn't like it and they, they, they got the, 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 the religious and the, the crowds hating them and threatening them and threw Peter, they threw him in jail. And then while they're in jail, the church is praying and then they get released from jail. And what do they do? They just go right back to praying. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Okay, this, let me just pause real quick on this. A part of praying passionately is praying out loud. Now, I, I, have, I have quiet time too. I have times where I'm quiet and I just literally just, I'm not saying anything because this is a two-way communication. And I just listen for what God is saying to me. But I also have times where I'm raising my voice. And that's, it's scriptures like this of why if you came to our prayer meetings on our pursuit nights that you would hear me say, all right, now everybody is gonna pray out loud. 
We'll have our instrumentalists play, play loud enough that you don't have to be worried about anybody overhearing what you're saying, but there's something scriptural about passionately praying with your voices. And it said they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, they, they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now look at what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where, the, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, I think the devil likes weak, timid, subdued, passive prayers. And I think if, we, if, if, we're, if we're just, if you get too quiet, some of you will rest in the Lord literally. <laughs> so to have a sustainable prayer life, it will help you to actually just verbalize. And here's what you're gonna find out when you start to do this if you're not used to it. You will find that God will fill your mouth and you will pray things that you hadn't even thought about praying until it came out your mouth. And you'll go, that was cool. Okay, God, do it. And what's happening is, is you're praying God's will to be done on earth, his kingdom to come, something that really bypassed your thinking and you just started to pray for it. But what you did is it's, it's like you got the ship moving and then God could direct it wherever he wanted it to go. James tells it like this. He said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It works. This is what works. It avails a lot. The effective, fervent, not the boring, sleepy. So to have a sustainable prayer life is one that works. Listen, you won't want to stop when your prayers avail a lot. Y'all know you do this. You find somebody that gets a lot of answers to prayer and you give them your prayer requests, <laughs> right? You're like, man, they just, for whatever reason, they got a red hotline to heaven and their prayers get answered. And so you're like, that's who you wanna give it to because certain people seem like they got a prayer life that actually works, that avails much. Well, here's the deal, because they're effective, fervent. They're praying passionately. They got a place, most likely. They got a plan when they get there, and then they're saying it out loud, and they're fervently, with some passion in their heart, praying for those prayer requests, and they're actually working. Now, the effective, fervent, in the New King James, these words are actually one Greek word, energeo. What do you think word we get from that? energy. That's right. So it's like the energetic prayer, the energy. It's a focus upon the energy or force involved to function, to work, to be at work, to practice. So the, it's, it's having a prayer life that is energized. Church, the world is bold and getting bolder. We need to be bold in prayer. We need to be bold in prayer and never Quit praying. Let me, let, let, let me end with a story. It's a true story uh, of, of a three-year-old and his mother going to the grocery store. Now, the three-year-old wanted some chocolate chip cookies. And she knew that he wanted them because he wanted them before they ever left the house. So before they got out of the car, she told him, 
We're not getting chocolate chip cookies today, so don't even ask. So she gets in the grocery store, puts him in the cart. He's fine. They're going through the grocery store until they come to the chocolate chip cookie aisle. Come to the aisle. He sees them. He stands up in his cart and he says, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? And of course she says, no, I told you to not even ask. Puts him back down, sits him back in the cart. Well, they go through the grocery store, but they had to come back through the chocolate chip cookie aisle again for something that they had forgotten. He sees the chocolate chip cookies again. He asks again, mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She says again, listen, I already told you to not ask. And y'all parents know this. You're like, now you're definitely not getting any chocolate chip cookies. They finish their grocery shopping. She's almost to the checkout line. And the three-year-old boy saw, this is my last chance. We're about ready to leave. He stands up in the cart and in the, with his loudest voice, he says, in the name of Jesus, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? Well, everybody around did the same thing you just did. They burst into laughter and through the joy and the generosity of the, of the shoppers who overheard, they left the store with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> if I could sum up everything I'm telling you today in one sentence, it's this one sentence. If you'll never quit praying, he'll never quit answering. If you'll never quit praying, He'll never quit answering. Let me say it again. If you'll never quit praying, he'll never quit answering. He's ready to answer our prayers. I need you to stand anyway. Go ahead and stand up together. He's ready to answer the greatest prayer that you could ever pray. Somebody has been praying for you who I'm about ready to address. You don't even know it maybe yet. Could be a dad, could be a brother, could be a, a parent, could be a coworker. But what they've been praying for for you is this, that you would get to know the Jesus that they already know. And somebody's listening online or somebody's in this room right now and you're just not sure if you know God or you're pretty sure you don't but you would love to know him if you could. You've been prayed for already and you can know him. All you gotta do is what I did and what everybody else that in this room that knows him has done and that's just this, I'm a sinner. Will you be my savior? It's a prayer he'll answer right now. If that's you and you wanna leave this place different than the way you came in, where you begin a real relationship with Jesus. I didn't say with religion, I said with Jesus. Where you begin a relationship with Jesus, then pray this prayer with me. Everyone's gonna bow their heads right now and everyone's closing their eyes. But if that's you and you'd say, Bob, that's me, I'm gonna pray that prayer with you. I'm not calling you out or calling you forward, but I do wanna know who's gonna pray that prayer with me. Would you just look up and wave at me and catch eyes with me right now and just say, Bob, I'm praying that prayer with you. Great, wonderful, I see you, I see you here, wonderful. Awesome. I'm scanning the room. Great. That's wonderful. See you. Anybody else? I see you back there. Great. Over here. Wonderful. I may not catch your eyes, but I'm here to tell you Jesus does. And he's ready to answer this prayer. Church, let's help out our friends. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you today. 
I need forgiveness. Forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed or I ever will. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit so that I'll live for you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. Will you give God praise today? Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. We want to help you on your journey of finding the life you were made for. Please visit lifechurchww.com to take your next step and connect with us. 